0: Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. Hey before we get started today if you're a coach and you're tuning in I'm curious to know how you feel about trauma. If you feel confused about it or a little bit anxious or afraid of it showing up in clients in session or if trauma just feels like something you definitely don't want to touch as a coach I really want to support you. I believe it's crucial for us as coaches to have an appropriate working knowledge of trauma. We don't need to avoid it, nor do we need to respond as quasi-therapists. We just need to know how to recognise trauma, how to take care of ourselves as well as the client, and how to respond from within the container of the coaching relationship. If you're a coach who works in a deep way with your clients and you don't have an understanding of trauma work, this free masterclass is an opportunity to learn an accessible approach to trauma-informed coaching that you can practice to better support your clients. Ultimately, that's why we're all here, right? You know, the root causes of self-doubt are often connected to early experiences. So it didn't take me long to realize that for me to support my clients in a deep way, I would need to get comfortable with trauma. And at first, I felt completely out of my depth. But almost a decade later, I now know what tremendous transformation is possible when we stop avoiding anything to do with trauma and just show up for our clients with the clearest, deepest presence possible. Being trauma-informed massively assists your self-belief as a coach. If you've ever worked with a client you found difficult, if your self-doubt is being activated in sessions, or if you feel unable to help some clients, this masterclass is likely to hold a piece of the jigsaw puzzle for you. I'll share a model for how you can make sense of the psychology of trauma, how to know what the boundaries are so you can hold your clients safely. To walk away knowing how to coach sensitively, without entanglement, within boundaries and without working directly with the traumatized self of the client. You know most coach training never even addresses trauma but multiple studies suggest that as many as 70% of adults experience at least one traumatic event in their lifetime. This means that you're likely to be already working with clients who have trauma in their biography. This masterclass is just a taste of the work we do in the Self-Belief Coaching Academy, but whether you decide to train as a self-belief coach or not, this is value-packed, necessary work. I can't wait to share this with you. All the details are in the show notes, but we'll be meeting at 1030 am british time on thursday the 25th of march and if you can't make it live there'll be a time limited replay available until monday the 29th of march all the details are in the show notes and i hope to see you there Hey beautiful humans, so a couple of weeks ago my coach Ali Swift interviewed me on her podcast about the last year in my coaching business. It has been the biggest year in almost a decade of this work. We've had about 300% growth and honestly I feel like I'm just getting started. I have this huge online infrastructure project that we're about to commence because we want to bring all of our training in-house and make all of our programs and courses available through this really beautiful, seamless experience. I'm recruiting staff. I have new tax obligations that make me want to hurl. There is a lot going on behind the scenes right now. And it is amazing, it's terrifying, it's beautiful and horrible. It's all the things, all the feelings, every day. (laughs) And I wanted to share with you exactly what has changed for me and the three areas of my self-belief that I've really been intentionally working with over the last year. And so my hope is that this episode is helpful for you if you also know that you have untapped potential within you. But maybe you aren't sure what to do, or your self-doubt is getting in the way. So, just to set the scene, it's a year ago, March 2020. We're going into lockdown. I'm told that my heart condition makes me at increased risk of COVID, but no one really knows what that means and people are starting to talk about a a once-in-a-hundred-year recession, which is what every business owner wants to hear. There is Trump and Brexit and Black Lives Matter and the age of Aquarius is dawning, and there's so much uncertainty. Nobody really knows what the hell is going on. All of our leadership structures are just being revealed for what they really are, which is that we have a bunch of grown-ups, apparently, that are making this up as we go along. So externally the world feels very uncertain and in our house there is both deep relief that we've completed our house renovation project a few weeks before lockdown and I'm feeling a ton of anxiety at effectively being shut in and wholly dependent on ash and I remember one morning Our neighbours, the ones that kind of hate us because we made so much noise renovating our house, they knocked on the front door to say there was raw sewage flowing out of our drain and onto the street. Literally shit everywhere. It's builder's silt in the pipes, very, very common. (laughs) But it felt like a massive metaphor for the state of our relationship. So the compression of just being trapped together was bringing up all of our stuff We just weren't able to communicate with each other and there was nowhere to go. And on top of that, my friend Lottie and I, uh, Lottie's a therapist, and we had begun working on a collaborative program that helps you make sense of the connections between self-doubt and childhood. And this was bringing up lots of flashbacks and memories and I was having some bad dreams and it was just a very weird time. And at the time I started working with a therapist and quickly found that a lot of the wobbles that were in our marriage were rooted in a lot of unhealed stuff. So I'd grown up in a family that was grieving, and this was the 1970s, so there wasn't a lot of healthy strategies for being with that grief. And all of that meant that I had to be very, very self-reliant from a really young age. So being in lockdown, being completely dependent on Ash felt deeply unsafe. So all of this is happening before the Easter Bunny even arrives, right? 2020, the most fun. (laughs) So over the next six months, I start this process of healing, which is horrible and amazing. A lot of the pieces of the jigsaw kind of came together for me and I guess because of all the work I've done over the last decade I was really just able to be with all of it I was super sad about not being able to connect with Ash and I trusted that both of us would be okay even if we didn't stay together whatever the outcome was going to end up being I didn't need either of us to be right I just wanted us to be kind and we had so many difficult conversations. There wasn't a clear answer here. And in the end, Ash went home to New Zealand for just over a month to give us both some distance, some time to feel our way through. But what I really realized in those months Is that if it was just up to me, if I was completely reliant on myself again as an almost 50 year old with some champagne tastes and a desire for quite a long elderhood, then I would be showing up to my work in a completely different way. And, you know, things were pretty good in my business, but in my moments of stillness, when I was able to get really close to the truth of things... I definitely recognized that there was this untapped potential in me. There was something wanting to be born from me. So I sent Ellie, who doesn't work with people one-to-one, and I knew this. I sent her a cheeky email to say, yeah, but do you want a client though? Because I knew I needed someone I trusted. I needed quite tailored and personal coaching. I don't really do group programs, particularly for this kind of thing. And this began our work together. And our partnership has been instrumental in this growth. But I still had to do the work, right? So I wanted to talk today about the three key aspects to this work, the three things that helped me to really tap into that untapped potential and to begin to experiment with what growth could look like. In a year that was both the worst personally And ended up being the most lucrative and the most satisfying and fulfilling professionally. So the first thing, the first aspect of that, telling myself radical truth. So I knew that I would be showing up differently if it was just me, that if I was just taking care of myself and I was reliant on myself, even though my practice was pretty solid. What looked great from the outside makes no difference when it doesn't line up with your insides, right? And so I started to get very clear about what I wanted and what I didn't want and I sort of stopped bullshitting myself about how I was feeling based on how I thought I should feel. So an example of this, I have a waiting list of over 300 people for one-to-one work with me. And I had spent a long time getting very attached to that list of people. I told myself that it was my security blanket, that it meant all kinds of good and positive things. But when I sat with it and really let myself feel my way through it, that list of 300 people just felt super heavy in my belly. I felt constricted. I felt weighed down. And I know that That feeling, that sensation is my body's no, that's what no feels like in my body. And I just ignored that for years, (laughs) even though the truth for me was something that felt like a no. And it took me quite a while to realize that I just didn't have the energy or the excitement for working with those lovely humans as I once did. Not as a kind of 80% of my workload as it has always been. And I had lots of judgment about that. I'm pretty good at judging other people, especially people who say they are coaches but never work one-to-one because I know the research tells us that not a lot of what we call coaching goes on in a group setting. That coaching dynamic is radically changed by being observed. So I had a lot of judgments about that, a lot of justifications, but the truth for me was that I didn't want to do this work. I didn't want to do one-to-one work. After 10 years, I wanted something different. And just being able to tell myself the truth allowed me to share this with Ali. And I was saying to her, you know, I always thought I would end up teaching and I had thought that this would be in a kind of academic setting, but it looks like no one's leaving the house anymore. So what else could this look like? And that one single truth unlocked this opportunity. Ali helped me to see that I had this huge untapped potential in my business of creating a program to teach other practitioners my approach to self-doubt. So telling myself those radical truths was huge and I totally recommend you doing this too. Just go through every single action that needs to happen for your business to run and you can do this for your life too but just notice what are you spending your time on and does that feel like A yes or a no to you. For the first pass, just go on your gut feel, right? A no can sometimes mean different things. It can sometimes mean we have some self-doubt about it, or we don't want to get it wrong. But just get clear and get honest with yourself. What do you feel enlivened by? What do you feel constricted by? Okay, the second thing, second of three things I did to unlock this potential. I stopped confusing business problems with protective beliefs. And I honestly think that this is the kind of secret to business ownership. I think it's one of the most important questions you can ask you, ask yourself is, is this a business problem or is it a protective belief? I just want to define these for you because that can help. Business problems are things that can be solved. There's a known solution for them. That solution might be complex but the solution is known and therefore can be learned. Right, so I have a business problem. Something like, I need a system where my clients can book a session for me. Right, now there's an app for that. I need to meet my tax obligations. You know, an accountant can teach me this, I can learn this if I can read the HMRC website. I need a plan for how to do an introductory course so when someone wants to talk about working with me, I know the most helpful things I can say to see if we'd be a good fit, right? Someone probably has a script for this that I could use. I could Google it or I could pay someone to help me develop it. Business problems are a big yay because these can be solved. Someone has already solved them. Protective beliefs, though, are totally different kettles full of fishes, right? Protective beliefs, what's called adaptive challenges. There is no known solution that meets our specific circumstances. So protective beliefs you cannot Google the answer to, right? Protective beliefs require us to be different. We need to adapt to meet the challenge. We need to work with our self-doubt, our protective self-doubt, to look at the beliefs we have about the situation, to experiment. So protective beliefs are healed by us. Okay. so some examples of protective beliefs. I have a script for my introductory calls, but I can't seem to ever ask someone if they want to buy my services. Another one. When I go to post stuff about my coaching work on social media, I clam up and end up just reposting other people's information. Another one, I haven't told anyone in my network that I'm a coach. So you're starting to uncover what's going on here. Now, underneath all of these protective behaviors are protective beliefs, right? And there'll be something in there, if you look closely, something like asking someone to buy is icky or wrong and carries the risk of rejection. Or posting about my coaching work feels uncomfortable because what if I get it wrong and I'm disappointed by the response or worse what I post invites conflict or I haven't told anyone in my network that I'm a coach because they know me as a school teacher or a communications director or a parent and oh my god have you ever heard of anything more cheesy than a life coach and what if they judge me these are all things that I may or may not have thought myself, right? (laughs) Protective beliefs don't have solutions, right? They need us to adapt to heal them. And the reason this is so important, the reason I'm spending time talking about this is that the worst mistake we can make is to treat a protective belief as if it's a business problem. Because remember, business problems have a known solution that we can Google. And when you Google, how do I tell people I'm a life coach, you won't ever be touching the reason why you are holding yourself back. Right? You won't ever get to the root cause of that behavior. You'll just stick a sticking plaster on it, or you'll pay someone to fix it for you, but you're going to come up against that belief the next time around. So my protective beliefs about creating this what ended up becoming the Self-Belief Coaching Academy, my protective beliefs were, well, my approach to self-doubt isn't in a worked up methodology and I need way more time to get this right. Or I have this new idea I'm working on, but it definitely needs more research with clients. Teaching other coaches that are more experienced than me, what can I possibly bring to the table? And the doozy, right, the best one. This had better be the most brilliant, best ever coach training ever. Otherwise, it's a fail. If this is successful, it also has implications for way more responsibility. I'll need to bring on more people. I'll need to make sure I have enough income to pay them. I'll have to understand VAT. It's too complex. It's too hard. So we heal protective beliefs by pulling them apart a bit. We look at what else could be true. What can we try? What might be possible? In narrative coaching, we call this thickening the narrative, right? Adding more to the story so that it loses its absoluteness, right? This is too hard becomes, well, there are things that I could do. There are things that aren't hard. So this process of thickening the protective belief is what we do every week in my newsletter right I've got this process called the self-belief stories project and we just expand a one-line story each week and we thicken it and we explore the context of it and we look at it from different angles and provoke it a little bit I highly recommend this process so you can do this for all the protective beliefs that you have about your business about your life Where are you holding yourself back and what is the belief that's underneath that? How can you add more to it, thicken that story? So, we've looked at telling yourself radical truths, those inconvenient truths in step one. Secondly, learning to differentiate between business problems that have known solutions and protective beliefs that can only be healed by us. And the third thing that helped me to tap into that untapped potential Was hiring a new CEO to support me and that is my healthy self, right? My healthy self is this integrated adult part of me. This is me at my best when I'm well rested and grounded and embodied, when I'm thinking clearly and telling myself the truth and I'm calm And I'm capable of self-compassion and self-care. I can face reality, think critically, show discernment. I can make decisions and I can make mistakes and I can be okay with all of it. My healthy self has access to all of my really positive resources, self-belief, self-acceptance, self-worth and self-trust. And there are practices that I'm using to really expand into these resources. And the biggest part of this for me, and I highly recommend you looking at this, is about leaning into your developmental edges. So the edges that we have, our developmental edges, are the aspects of our self-concept that we are unpracticed at. So an example of this is a big part for me is my self-reliance. Right, I, I really have my own back and I kind of love that about me. I deeply trust myself to just get shit done. Right, I always have. That's been a huge part of just my identity. But there is also a shadowy part to this, a developmental edge. For me, it's about asking for help. This is something I find really uncomfortable. It sets my protective self-doubt on edge. What if they get it wrong? What if I'm not clear? What if I end up having to do it myself anyway? What if I end up being the asshole boss? All of that comes out, right? And it's quite connected to my scapegoat protector, right? That's the style of protection I tend to go to, which is all about feeling overwhelmed and everything is too hard. But when I can come back to my healthy self, I can see that these are those protective beliefs that are trying to keep me safe from the risk of complexity and success, disappointment, conflict. When my healthy self is in charge I can hold myself with compassion. Think about what do I need to hear right now, what can I do to support myself right now. So You can use this approach of recruiting your healthy self to be your CEO, whether that's of your life or your business, by really starting to cultivate an identity for that part of you. What are the qualities that your healthy self embodies? How can you best bring that to life? What experiments can you try out, ways of being, ways of doing things that help you to really bring that part of you to life? And a super fun exercise is to find someone in the world, maybe a fictional character, who can emulate that for you if you don't really kind of know what that looks like. So, oh my god, are you watching The Bold Type on Netflix? Because the editor of Scarlet magazine, Jacqueline Carlyle, she's totally modelling being an ace boss for me. I just adore her. So thank you to Laura Jane Williams, who posted about her love for the bold type. (laughs) And also, if you're wondering where you've seen Melora Hardin before, who plays Jacqueline Carlyle, she was in Transparent, which is also an amazing show, and she played older sister Sarah's lover, Tammy. So there you go. (laughs) A little bit of extra info there. So they are the three aspects of really getting into untapping your own potential. Tell yourself radical truths about what you actually want. Get very clear on your protective beliefs and recruit your healthy adult self to run your business or your life. If you need extra support, work with a coach who helps you to feel safe enough to grow. Thank you for listening, beautiful humans. I will see you next week. If you already work as a coach, a mentor, counsellor or therapist, and self-doubt is impacting your clients, I want to invite you to consider joining the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. This is a proven and original approach to self-doubt, honed, tested and refined with hundreds of real life clients. I'm constantly delighted by the potential that's unleashed when clients find out who they are underneath their protective self-doubt. Helping people to cultivate that robust self-belief doesn't happen by chance. It would be my total pleasure to support your coaching development. The spring class opens soon and you can sign up to find out more at sasspetherick.com SBCA.